It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley. This is Cuda Confidential. The official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda. AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Our next guest on Cuda Confidential wrapped up his fifth and final season of college hockey in 2022-23, serving as the captain of the University of Connecticut. He would then join the Barracuda and play six games at the end of the year and was signed to an American Hockey League contract for the 2023-24 season back in May. We are pleased to welcome Barracuda defenseman Roman Canal to the Cuda Confidential podcast. Welcome back to Cuda Confidential. We are very pleased to be joined by Barracuda defenseman Roman Canal. I think the ink has dried now. Officially, you signed your first real pro contract. He came in last year on an ATO, played a handful of games, but now you are inked up for next year. What does that mean to you to know that you will be playing pro hockey? Your dream of being a pro hockey player will continue next year. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely excited. I mean, just to hear the news that, you know, they they wanted me back and, you know, they liked what they saw in those in those games. And, you know, I was just, that was kind of my goal going into it. Um, so, yeah, to to make it official and um, kind of know where, where I'm going is, uh, it's pretty cool and uh, excited. So, can't wait. So you played five years at UConn and you were able to earn your bachelor's degree, if I'm not mistaken, in economics. And then you took a master's program, kind of an accelerated master's program that you're still kind of wrapping up currently in financial risk management. So I guess my question is, are you going to be kind of the financial advisor for the whole team? <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll see. I mean, if I uh, if I finish strong, then yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, no, I like the career path. I liked uh, kind of learning about all that stuff. So yeah, it was kind of a no-brainer by picking that. Well, you got your bachelor's degree, so I'm sure that was a relief. I think you picked it up uh, in, in 2022. So you're not working on the master's. Just to almost be done, you're, you're so close to the finish line, to be almost done with school. This has been a long kind of journey for you, as it is for everybody who goes through college. Are you excited to put that kind of in the rearview mirror and focus fully on hockey? Yeah, no, I, I definitely can't wait. I've been, I've been telling my parents, like, just can't wait for it to be done. I'm kind of doing a lot of stuff right now. It's kind of the the busiest I've been with school this whole year. And it's uh, it just so happens I'm home for it, which kind of is, you know, it's not fun when you've got a lot of my buddies enjoying summer. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited to be done for sure. So how have you balanced that? Because you are currently back home in Michigan and you're still taking classes. It's online. So you mentioned it. Your buddies are probably texting you and calling you, knowing that you're in town. It's summer break. Everybody wants to go outside. The weather's probably starting to turn and get better. So how are you balancing that as you're just trying to finish strong, I'm sure, just trying to get it out of the way, get it done, but also make sure that your your friends know that you're not just ghosting them, I guess, at this point. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I kind of just think like, you know, I, I'm telling myself I'll, you know, I'll be able to enjoy it the second half of summer and, you know, go golfing with them as much as I want when I'm done with this. So, I mean, the teachers and the professors and stuff, they've been, they've been awesome with me, kind of accommodating me while, while being home. And, uh, you know, so I, like it was all online, all the, all the classes are 
recorded so they send them to me and you know i just kind of rewatch it on my own time so it's it's definitely easier than you know going to a classroom i can you know pick certain times in the in the day to sit down and you know watch a three-hour lecture but uh honestly it's not too bad i'm you know i did school all year so i just kind of keeping it going we're talking to barracuda defenseman roman canal you had a short stint with the Barracuda last year. We spoke before you made it your pro debut. You just didn't have much time to think about it. So you just went out there and you played. You followed your instincts, all those instincts, and and built uh, in, I guess, uh, repetitions over the years of playing hockey. So you didn't have much time to think about it. You stepped in. I thought you played great. And the organization obviously thought you played well enough to earn a contract this year. What do you make of that short little stint with the Barracuda? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was awesome. I don't think I could have asked for a better situation to walk into. Um, you know, I, I came in San Jose and, and played five games right away. So that definitely helped my confidence and, you know, gave me time to kind of get acclimated to the to the speed, to the strength of the players and, you know, how the game is played. So, uh, yeah, no, I couldn't have asked for a better situation to walk into. And everyone was so welcoming to the players, the staff. They, you know, they treated me great. They, you know, kind of they understood I was new. Uh, coming in so you know definitely a, a learning curve when you know you're talking about new systems and um, you know just the way the game's played so they you know they were awesome with me and I couldn't have uh, couldn't thank them more for that. I think I read that your first year at UConn you played all 34 games you're the only freshman to play in every single game did you rely on that experience at all just being a new guy in, in a different league that maybe is a little bit quicker than what you were used to did you rely on that at all when you came in to San Jose and jump right into the AHL? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I kind of just, you know, always tell myself, play my game, uh, you know, regardless if that's in college, professional, you know, summer skate, just just always try to play my game and, you know, don't change the way I am. So, I mean, that's kind of just what I focused on. Um, you know, it's definitely a little nerve wracking when you go into a new team and, you know, a new league. It's it's always a step up. So, you know, it takes time to get adjusted, but um, just trying to stay true to myself and play my game. That was kind of what I focused on. So you played for Little Caesars, really well-known, renowned program out of Michigan. And then you went on to the North American League. You spent one year there and then one year in the USHL. And you end up landing at UConn, which is somewhat of a, a relatively new Division I program. And I know your dad played D1 hockey, but what was it about UConn that kind of moved the needle for you? And that ends up being your ultimate decision. Well, I kind of... I thought to myself, like I growing up, I, I was always a late bloomer. I think, you know, I kind of developed later and, um, you know, definitely had to had to grow into my body and, you know, deal with that stuff. So, I mean, once UConn came knocking, it was, you know, I visited school. I love the school, the campus, you know, the, the staff there. But um, like you said, it was it was kind of new and I was on the come up. And, uh, you know, I kind of just thought that, you know, I could go in, play play every game my freshman year and you know that was the goal and it, it happened so I mean it was kind of I mean it was lower end so we weren't great our first year and then we you know each year we got better and better and you know even last year you know we were ranked six in the country for pretty much half of it so I mean it kind of just goes to show how much you know how how established that program has gotten over the last couple of years and you know now it's getting better and better recruits there's a rink on campus and you know it's more hockey focused now. Um, a lot more people are paying attention to it. It's not just, well, I mean, obviously basketball did well this year, but it's not just basketball. We're also, you know, hockey's on the come up too. Well, you saw with Penn State, when Penn State became a division one program, they had a great facility and that seemed like it sold a lot of kids. 
you guys played off campus originally, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you played at the XL Center where the where the Hartford Wolfpack played the American League team. And yep. you may have even played during COVID. Did you guys play in a practice rink at one point um, as yep. well as some of your games? And then yeah, you got your exactly. own building on campus, right? A beautiful facility. And I'm sure that's going to be a huge recruiting tool for the program because you've got a brand there, basketball program we all know about, but you've got a brand in a school that people recognize. Do you feel like the sky's a limit now for the program now that it has its own building? Absolutely. I think, you know, the building is the biggest, biggest, uh, biggest asset, I think, in, in terms of recruiting. I mean, you know, you, you bring recruits in there, show them around the campus and, you know, show them the rink and the, the arena they did an unbelievable job with. And it kind of surpassed all of our expectations, too. And, you know, we finally got that tour when we walked in there the first day. But, um, you know, I, I think it's a perfect size. It's not too big, not too small. But, you know, I know we were selling out games, you know, a student section in probably 25 minutes once the tickets were released. So that was awesome. It was kind of like a little buzz on campus. There's a buzz in the air and uh, people were talking about it. People were saying, you know, good game last night, all this stuff. So, um, you know, that definitely you could kind of see it, the program shift in, in that way. You know, closer to my freshman, sophomore year, you know, the we had a hockey team, but it was not many people were talking about us and we get a lot of locals from the Hartford area to go to the game. So we did well in the, in the attendance, but uh, you know, the, we were lacking the students and, you know, college hockey is known to have that, you know, crazy atmosphere and that kind of comes from the students. So once, once we had, you know, the rank on campus, that was, that was a big change and change for the better. I don't know the exact capacity of the arena, but I was looking at the arena map and it looks like it's just, one bowl it's kind of on the smaller end which provides that real intimate atmosphere as you alluded to you get the students in there um i don't think they allow adult beverages in there but i'm sure there was some uh, lubrication leading into it so you just get this raucous kind of feeling that only college hockey can provide and you talked about how quickly the, the tickets went for students did you guys really feel that atmosphere almost instantly and get that that natural college feeling that was maybe eluding the program before you had your own building Absolutely. I mean, we had so in Hockey East, obviously, there's a lot of historic programs and, and well-known programs in college hockey. But, uh, you know, there's times we'll play out of conference games uh, when we we're in the bigger rink and, you know, not many people would show up for that. But we were playing, I think, Alaska Fairbanks, at, which isn't a huge, you know, well-known D1 program. But I mean, we sold that was probably the, the biggest crowd we had. It was a, a student only game. And it was so loud. And I think the rink too, they did such a good job and um, they built the seats super steep. So it's not kind of, it's not, I mean, you definitely hear the crowd. So it's, it makes the arena feel tighter. So it's harder to play, for, you know, the opponents when they come in. And, um, but yeah, no, that, that building's rocking, like you said. Yeah. Fans breathing right down your neck. I'm sure you guys loved it, but the opposing team probably felt some of that pressure. Your dad played Division One hockey at Northeastern. Was Northeastern ever on your radar as a program that that you wanted to go to and maybe follow in your dad's footsteps? Yeah, that was. Uh, I wanted. I wanted to go to Northeastern. You know, when growing up, that was that was the school I wanted to go to. I'd watch all their games. Whenever we go to youth tournaments in Boston, we'd always you know get a tour of the rink and go to a game later that night. So that was that was kind of my dream school, right in the right in the heart of Boston, but. Um, yeah, so I talked to them a little bit, but they never ended up offering, which was kind of, kind of crushing, but, you know, to, to get offered by another school in hockey East, that was, that was also a big draw for me. And, uh, yeah, they playing against them. There's definitely a little chip on my shoulder, but I, I think I got, 
think I got them because I scored my first collegiate goal against Northeastern. And that, that was a special moment for me and, and also my dad, too. I was reading that uh, you, you talked a little bit about your favorite highlights, I guess, from your college career. And one of your biggest highlights was playing at Madison Square Garden, where you played, I believe, none other than Northeastern. What do you make of uh, the most famous building in the world? Uh, yeah. And I mean, that place, well, so we didn't play Northeastern there. We played, uh, we played Northeastern at Fenway. We played Cornell at MSG. Um, and they had the sea of red sold out crowd. Um, that was, I mean, it, the, the score didn't go in our favor, but that was a, uh, that was a special place. That was cool. It was, it was loud, louder than I thought, you know, a professional rink could even be, but, um, that was a special game and it was cool to see. Yeah, I got those two mixed up. You played Fenway as well, and I wanted to ask about that. Outdoors, obviously, Fenway. I mean, it goes without saying. What was that like? Oh, that that was probably the coolest hockey game I've ever been a part of. I mean, the, the NHL game uh, was there a couple weeks before, so they still had it all set up. And um, just to be in such a famous arena like uh, like Fenway Park. And I got to see a baseball game earlier that summer. And um see that too it's it's it was so cool it was the the day was perfect we played a midday game at like probably three o'clock so we got to see you know playing the sun a little bit and then third period it kind of turned tonight so the lights were on uh um yeah no it was awesome though so you had the eye black on like a baseball player would to help with the sun did you notice that being kind of an, an adjustment i mean you're outside for one but then you've got the the factor of the sun coming right off the white ice yeah that so that was i don't know i don't i don't really think the eye black does much i think it's more of a look thing but uh definitely the the outside air it's it's different when you're breathing and you're in your playing, it, it kind of feels a little colder on your lungs and stuff but um even when the puck gets flipped in the air you just lose it it's uh it was i mean but we all had that issue you know it wasn't just me but it was it was sweet to play outside uh, it was kind of bringing you back like a when you're a kid I didn't grow up playing lacrosse, but I know it's bigger on the East Coast. Did any of the guys go full lacrosse eye black where you're you're basically covering your full face for intimidation or did they keep it a little more conservative? No, they didn't. No one did that. Uh, we they were just actually stickers. They weren't paint. Um, they're were telling us that if we if we were to sweat, they kind of didn't want it to get into our eyes and stuff. Uh, but we did have some some guys were like the full mass. So they you know, you could just see their eyes and mouth. Uh, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. We mentioned you're a Michigan native, and there are a lot of uh, Division One programs in the state of Michigan. Did you ever think about staying home, or or was it always eh, I want to branch out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, well, I, Michigan and Michigan State, those would be awesome programs to be in. And um, but like I said, you know, I was a huge Northeastern fan. I wanted to go out east, and you know, play in Boston, obviously. But uh, you know, once. Once I got an offer to go out east, that was kind of a no-brainer. But Michigan, Michigan State, I think it'd be awesome too. I got a lot of my buddies that I played with growing up, played against growing up that went there. So um, I thought it would have been pretty cool to go back home and you know play a game against Michigan at Yost or or, or Michigan State at Mun. But I never had the opportunity to. Well, you had lots of uh, historic programs that you could face, yeah. I guess, within Hockey East. When did you fall in love with hockey? When did the bug kind of bite you? Probably before I even remember. I mean, so I live on a lake here in Michigan. Um, there's a bunch of lakes in my town. But, uh, yeah, I grew up here, and it kind of just started out on the lake with my dad, you know, shoveling off, uh, shoveling off a little square in the right outside in the snow. And 
um, I, you know, that's what I remember most as a kid, having my buddies over and, you know, my dad would have some of his buddies and, you know, they'd be sitting by the fire outside. It's, it's freezing out, snowing all day. You know, we'd have to clear it off, you know, every 20 minutes. And, um, but those were kind of my first hockey memories. And I think that's what kind of got me into it, but definitely my dad introduced me to it. Were there any other sports as a kid that you gravitated towards or was it kind of always hockey for you? So I, I, I played soccer and baseball kind of growing up like everyone else, but, uh, I did play golf in high school. Uh, that was really cool, but I, I did have to quit my junior year because of hockey I was getting in the way. I couldn't make certain, certain tournaments and certain practices. So that was, it was unfortunate, but you know, I enjoyed golf, but you know, hockey's the number one sport. So I had to follow that way. We, we've talked a little bit about your dad and playing hockey, but you mentioned, uh, you know, your mom as well, Cheryl, what, what has she meant to your journey to this point? I mean, my mom, my mom's awesome. She, she, she's kind of always a person that, you know, if I had a bad game and I was upset or, you know, kind of not in a good mood, she kind of was always that positive person in my life that just says, you know, who cares? Just a game, you know, have fun, you know, always go out there and smile. So just, that was like the big message she said, just have fun with it. And that kind of stuck with me. Uh, you know, it's a game. It's, it, it can get stressful. It's, uh, you know, there's, especially now when it's professional, it's, you know, there's stress at all time. So, uh, but yeah, just kind of laying back on that, just, keeping my positive attitude you know smiling when i'm out there on the ice having a good time like that's what it's all about so she definitely that was a message that that stuck with me most the hilton san jose is the preferred hotel of the san jose sharks and sap center in san jose experience something new close to home or from across the world the hilton san jose is there for you with memorable offers and experiences enjoy the brand new guest rooms with luxurious waldorf astoria beds and upgraded amenities we're committed to creating a safe and relaxing experience including delivering an even cleaner stay from check-in to check-out visit sanjose.hilton.com now to make your reservation we are hilton we are hospitality Get in the festive spirit and give the gift of Sharks hockey this holiday season. Be at the tank on December 21st as the San Jose Sharks take on the Arizona Coyotes. Every fan in attendance will receive a special edition holiday sweater jersey. Whether you want to be the best dressed at your holiday party, need a last minute gift idea, or want to be featured on the big screen at the game, come celebrate with us this year and secure your tickets at sjsharks.com tickets today. Now, back to the action. Barracuda Hockey continues now. Your mom is a nurse, I believe. Um, and we all, of course, have tons of respect for, for nurses, especially we go back a couple of years ago around COVID and, and uh, it was only uh, exacerbated even more. Speaking of nurses' injuries, you missed your sophomore season. You had a injury red shirt. What was that experience like to have that type of adversity? Yeah, that was uh, that was a crazy time in my life. Um, I don't think many people know about it outside of, uh, you know, UConn and stuff. But that was <clears throat> that was a wild experience going to my sophomore year. Uh, everything felt great. Just got off a good freshman season and getting right. All preseason was great. Um, getting ready for my first game that of the year it was in probably early October. Um, I kind of had this weird feeling in my arm, no pain, but it was it was just like a tightness in my arm and um, they just did a, a precautionary x-ray and ultrasound just to see what was going on. And I just remember the 
the lady who was doing the ultrasound like freaked out, just got up and left the room. So that kind of scared me for a little bit, but they found a big uh, blood clot kind of right up my upper chest. And then they had, they found multiple on the outsides of my lungs. And I didn't think I really understood the, the severity of the, the injury at the time. I was just kind of thinking, you know, will I be ready for, for Friday? That's kind of what I was thinking. And um, yeah, I remember I was in the hospital for three weeks. My parents flew over, stayed with me, uh, multiple surgeries. And then they ended up removing my, my first rib on my left side. And yeah, I was on blood thinners for about eight months. So that was, I was on fall risk. So I couldn't work out, really couldn't do much. And that, that was a, that was a tough time in my life, but I, I learned a lot kind of about myself and, you know, going through an adversity like that, I think it just makes you stronger. And, um, but yeah, that was a, that was a crazy time in my life. Was there a main culprit or is that something that just maybe was a genetic thing? What was yeah, behind so, it? So your ribs kind of start up here and really high up in your chest and they all have that natural little rib shape arc. And my first one on my left side, it didn't have that arc. It was kind of deformed. And that was just, you know, when I was born. Um, but it went, it was kind of more straight than that rib shape. So as I grew up and got older, it, it put a lot of pressure and it eventually pinched off some of my veins and arteries up in my, uh, in my shoulder. Wow. So do you, is that something you still have to live with the impacts? Are you on blood thinners not to dive in your medical history, but is that something that still kind of impacts you or is it, is it somewhat behind you now? Uh, no, it's behind me. I mean, I, I have to do yearly checkups. They, they said for the next five or six years. So I just have to go in, get an ultrasound with the same doctor who did all the procedure or uh, yeah, all the surgeries and stuff. So that was, yeah, that's it's it's behind me. I kind of you know I don't I don't think it was a big deal, but as I as I look back at it, it was it was definitely scary. You know they they're nervous that you know there was stroke potential stroke and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it was it was wild. I, I, t I tend to move forward, you know, keep fo looking forward, but yeah. Did it change your perspective at all though? Just on how quickly things can change. You go from one weekend ready for the season, the next day you're you're in the hospital, and you know there's major concern. Yeah, that was crazy because I was I was healthy for, you know, growing up and, and in juniors. Didn't, I never really had major injuries, you know, just aches here and there. But that when I couldn't play hockey for a full year, that that was tough because then it was like, what do I do now? So I was just like a, a normal college kid, went to school, couldn't work out, couldn't. So I'd go to practice and stuff. But, yeah, that was a definitely a big shift in my life when, you know, you took hockey out of it. So. Well, no one could have predicted, but on the horizon is COVID, and we all like to just move past COVID as well. But I'm curious how that impacted your college experience. How, how did things change when COVID began? Yeah, COVID, that was a weird year. I mean, we all kind of, you know, scratch our head at that year. Was, we tend to forget about it. But uh, I think, too, because of COVID, that helped me coming off that my sophomore year injury, not playing, going into COVID. I mean, the season ended early and started late. So, I mean, everyone pretty much had a long time off of hockey. So it wasn't just me. So it kind of made it easier for me to get back into it. Um, but yeah, COVID, that was, that was wild just because of the, you know, the unpredictability with the schedule and, uh, you know, all the COVID testing and, uh, you know, the, the state has rules and then the, the school has certain rules. So in each school is different. So, you know, we thought we were going to play a certain opponent that week and, 
you know, come Thursday, we find out they can't play anymore because they're, you know, someone tested positive and then a new team comes in, we got to play them. So it's instead of preparing for one team all week, you, it, it was just, you know, whoever we got, we're playing. So that was, that was a big difference. Yeah, it's crazy. Everybody has their own unique story, especially if you're in hockey, because you're continuing to try to play. We, we as an organization, the Sharks basically uprooted and moved to Arizona for a month and a half. So that that was quite uh, an interesting experience because the because the county wouldn't uh, basically allow us to conduct any sort of practices and, and whatnot. Um, you wore the C as, as uh, the captain of your program last year. What did that mean to you kind of culminating your career to be able to wear the C on your jersey? Yeah, I was I was really honored. I mean, just just to be voted upon by by my peers, such as my staff and and the other players too. I mean, just to be you know looked at and so in their eyes that you know they wanted me to lead and lead the team. So that was I was very honored. It was it was an incredible experience. It was an awesome year, and I, I had an unbelievable team, the you know, teammates and stuff last year to kind of make the whole thing easier um but yeah I really I never wore uh any type of letter before that or I was an assistant captain the year before but I mean before my college career I, I never wore a letter and uh it kind of brought the leadership out of me and I kind of didn't expect I didn't I never thought of myself as like a, a big leader but then once I was in that position it, you know I kind of molded to it and you know it, the leadership kind of came out of me naturally so it was uh it was an awesome experience and really humbling so what type of leadership style do you have? Yeah, I think I was thinking about this and, you know, I didn't want to, especially when I got voted the C, I didn't want to change who I was because, you know, they voted me for a reason. And I, I know that it's easy to get in that kind of power controlling thing. And I just wanted to, you know, stay true to myself and still be a guy that, anyone could kind of come up and talk to and, you know, tell me about their day, what they did last weekend, stuff like that. So, I mean, I just tried to have a, you know, an open and great relationship with each player, be able to talk to everyone, at least, you know, just have a small conversation every single day. And I just think by example, I mean, that was, that was the biggest thing, what I do on the ice, what I do off the ice, you know, how, how I take care of my body is just like, I think, for the younger guys, especially too, when you're a freshman, you just, you look up to all the older guys, you look up to the seniors and, you know, you see what they do and you kind of just try to try to copy that pretty much. So I just, I try to set a good example for them and, you know, just try not really change who I was. We're talking to Roman Canal. You grew up in Michigan, as we've alluded to. Were you a Red Wings fan growing up? Yeah, huge Red Wings fan. I mean, I kind of grew up, I was lucky. I grew up in uh when they were in their dynasty phase, I kind of took that for granted a little bit just because, you know, now they're last couple of years, they've been struggling, but uh, yeah, I, those are some awesome teams. I kind of still watch uh, a lot of the replays from, from like the 08, 09 era. Who was your guy on that team? Who do you idolize? Uh, I, had, I had a couple. I, I idolized Nick Lindstrom, uh, especially, you know, the way he played, he made it look so easy and, you know, how he handled himself off the ice and, I, I was a big uh, Datsuk fan, Zetterberg fan. So I was, uh, I like McCarty too. It was, uh, so yeah, there's there some cool, cool players on those teams. Yeah. What a, what a legendary era that, uh, that was. I kind of got the early stages of it as a kid. And then obviously they were still kind of ch chugging along even, you know, a decade ago. Um, yeah. As a defenseman, a, a modern day defenseman in this era where everybody's skilled and fast, what uh, type of forward do you find the most challenging to defend? 
I think it's it's the smaller forwards that are uh, you know really good edges, quick on their feet, can can turn and get out of spaces quick. Those are those are especially for being such a you know kind of a lengthy guy, taller guy. It's you know those were always the ones I I had trouble with, and but kind of learning how to learning how to uh, defend those guys. It's a little different than just normal. You got to be you know really aware of your surroundings, uh, you know, be aware of your angling and stuff like that. Have a good stick. So that was doubt. Yeah. Those are definitely the hardest. I'm sure. You faced a lot of very skilled forwards and players in general playing in hockey East. So is there anyone specifically that sticks out as maybe the, the most skilled that you ever faced during your college career? Most skilled. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of the guys on BU are good. I mean, this year we had a defenseman we played against, uh, Lane Hudson. He was uh, incredibly skilled. My freshman year, uh, I got to play against Kale McCarr and, you know, just watching him skate and, you know, what he can do with the puck. That was, that was incredible to watch. But, I mean, every team has, has so many good forwards, especially hockey. So UMass and BU and BC Northeastern, I mean, they all got forwards like that. So we're conducting this interview during the summer, during the off season. So what's your plans over the next couple of months? Yeah, my, my summer's kind of been looking the same the last couple of years. I, I have a good training group we work out with every morning. Um, you know, we all skate together too, but I live on a lake, like I said, and, you know, just going out on the pontoon, going fishing. Uh, there's a little sandbar area on our lake too that got a lot of people walk around at, so definitely spending time on the league might go up north camping and uh, a lot of golf too that sounds uh outstanding i know that part of the country is incredible uh once you get into the summer times and it warms up a little bit so uh we can't thank you enough for the time happy to have you back obviously it was a short little period of time to, to meet you but um pretty evident uh, right away that you were going to get along with a group you're just uh a good guy. So we appreciate the time. Enjoy your summer. And we uh, we look forward to seeing you during training camp. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. A big thank you to Barracuda defenseman Roman Canal for joining us. That'll do it for this episode of Cuda Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger saying thanks for listening and so long until next time.